So this week, Kate and I had the joy of joining our eldest daughter at her graduation. And that was on Tuesday, and uh, we were really, really proud of her. There were no two prouder parents than us in that venue. And it was an amazing venue, a beautiful city, and an amazing historic cathedral, which uh, was the venue for, for this graduation. And it was a wonderful occasion. It was really formal and very well done. Everything was uh, just high quality. And, and yet there was these lovely moments of informality and, and, and fun and joy. So every time, you've probably seen this at a graduation, but every time uh, somebody's son or daughter or, or friend or, or you know, grandchild or whatever it was went forward, there would be this small crowd of people whooping and cheering and whistling. It was it's just wonderful to see people being congratulated in that way. It was just really lovely. And in fact, Kate and I got the people near us to, to whoop and cheer and whistle for our, for our daughter too, so that we made a bigger sound. Not that she noticed. We said to her afterwards, did you hear that? No, didn't hear. Anyway, so she was so lost in the moment, I think. But it was a wonderful occasion. Anyway, during the speeches, this... Uh, Balloon, the graduation balloon from a display, broke away and then rose up above us. And then it, it continued to, to rise high into the rafters of this beautiful cathedral. And it stuck out like a sore thumb. You can imagine this blue balloon, graduation balloon, against this backdrop of ancient stonework and timber. And, and there it was. And then occasionally it would just begin to, to fall and then it would go back up again. I think where people were blowing it. Anyway, but the um, but I, I, I the speeches were really good, but I, I but I couldn't help but be distracted by this balloon. You know, I found it quite entertaining, to be honest. That's all it takes to entertain me, is a balloon <laughs> floating above people's heads. Anyway, but the so we got this 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 balloon, and as I sat there watching it, it just struck me and reminded me of one of my favourite verses in the Bible. Not one of my favourite vices. <laughs> I nearly said it. Not one of my favourite vices. That, now's not the time for those. But the, one of my favourite verses in the Bible, which is, uh, which is just a, a wonderful encouragement to us. And I, I want it to be a wonderful encouragement to us this morning. And it's this. Shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Shine like stars in the universe. And it just reminded me of that with this amazing balloon just high above us. And I just thought of this standing out and, and being noticeable. And it just reminded me of that wonderful verse. Now this verse, shine like stars in the universe. Be noticed in the universe. Shine. It comes from uh, a letter that was written to the church in Philippi, so to the Philippian Christians, and it was written by the famous follower of Jesus called Paul, who, who wrote a, a lot of the material in the New Testament. And I'd like us to explore this, this, this verse and this passage today uh, to help us to be encouraged and to see how it encourages us to shine like stars for Jesus, to shine like stars in the universe as ones who love Jesus and know that we are loved by him. So Andrew's going to put up a photo on the screen. Now this 
is a star-forming region. Its star-forming region, NCG, sorry, NGC, 133. And obviously, you're very familiar with this. You know it like the back of your hand. <laughs> but anyway, this is uh, deep in outer space. And this was taken by the Hubble telescope. And this photo was released on the 20th of April this year. You can see it if you go onto the Hubble website. Now, this is 960 light years away. 960. Now, just to help you with this, I've calculated this. It took me... Well, all the time that it took me to search Google for the calculation. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> I won't even attempt. I made a very poor attempt at telling you exactly how many miles that is uh, at the first service, being such a mathematical genius that I am. Uh, but anyway, that's that many miles. So it's well over five and a half quadrillion miles. That's how far it is. So if you'd like to see it before you die, then I suggest you set off now. <laughs> anyway, this, uh, this star, just got these stars, this star-forming region, um, according to the Hubble website, is an effervescent crucible of glowing gases and pitch black dust stirred up and blown around by several hundred newly formed stars embedded within the dark cloud. And you can pick out quite a number of those stars. You can see them, all different are all shining in different ways and in different places. There's a bright blue star at the top of the image. It's sort of blurry, but it's still there nonetheless. And there are lots of smaller stars. And further down, maybe around the middle, another bright, super-hot star shines through filaments of dust, which makes it look like the sun from Earth shining through scattered clouds. It gives that impression as you look at it. And then towards the bottom of the picture, I think that looks a little bit like the finale of a firework display, something you'd see on, on November the 5th or at some celebration against a dark sky. You can see this sort of explosion of light, this colour and pattern, which is caused by pencil-thin, pencil-thin jets of light shooting out from newly formed stars outside the frame of the picture. Now the jets of light, and I love this phrase, are a star's birth announcement. A star's birth announcement. What an amazing thing. I would love to see more and more and more stars birthed for Jesus. I would love to see that. I pray for that. I long to see it. More and more people gathering to express their love for Jesus and shining for him in all the world because they know that they are captivated by his love. They know his love at work in their lives. This is what shining like a star in the universe looks like. Now, stars shine against the odds. There is so much that can obscure stars and their light. Gases and dust deep in outer space and clouds closer to the earth, they all obscure the light of stars. Even the darkness of space, and you can see it here. 
and the night skies you look out from earth seems to threaten to swallow up or to snuff out the light of the stars. You know, these like pinpricks of light bursting through the blackness. It can feel really fragile and seem as if it wouldn't take much for it to go. And you can see in this picture there's so much going on. Cosmic chaos, if you'd like. And it all threatens to obscure the starlight. And likewise, here on earth, for us, so much in the world around us can make it hard for us to shine as stars. It can obscure our starlight because the world is a difficult and complicated and distorted place. Paul, the famous writer and follower of Jesus, knew this. He knew this about the world. He, in this letter to the church in Philippi, describes it as warped and crooked. Warped and crooked. That's not an easy description to comprehend. It's not easy for us to take on board that we live in a world and contribute contribute to a world that is warped and crooked. And all of this difficulty going on around us can threaten to extinguish our light, can't it? It can be really, really hard. Let's be honest. And it can make shining for Jesus really, really difficult. And more than this, our own sin and our own weaknesses and our own brokenness can seem to threaten to snuff out our starlight. So how do we shine like stars in the universe and hold out the word of life? How do we shine for Jesus, knowing how difficult it is? And how do we keep on shining? How do we carry on? How do we shine the love of Jesus and his love and light into our dark and chaotic world how do we shine like stars when our own lives and the lives of those close to us are in turmoil? How do we shine like stars in a universe of pain and struggle and difficulty? Well, Paul tells us how. He encourages us. And he does so in a hymn or a song of theology, which is one of the most striking and beautiful passages in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you. It's Philippians chapter 2, and it's starting from the beginning of the chapter. Andrew will put the words on the screen. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness 
and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know what it is about that passage, but every time I hear it, sing it or read it, just like now, I tingle with excitement. I literally tingle with excitement at the thought of joining with all of heaven and earth, every knee bowed, every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. What a wonderful moment that's going to be. And every time we gather to worship, because of the love of Jesus at work in our hearts, we get a hint of that moment that will come some point in the future. What a wonderful vision that is. Now, when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he knew what he wanted to address. He knew that the greatest threat to that church, the thing that threatened to extinguish their light, was disunity, was disunity. The more passionately we believe something, the more we expect people to believe what we believe. Have you noticed that about yourself? Well, I've noticed that about me too. But the church just doesn't work that way. And Paul knew it. And that's why he addressed it. Unity isn't all believing the same thing about everything. That's just impossible. It will never, ever happen. There is always as many opinions or beliefs in a church as there are people. There are as many opinions and beliefs in here and online as there are people. It's just the way it is. Just look again. Andrew will put it on the screen. Just look again at that picture of the stars. Lots of different stars in different places, shining in different ways, creating different colours, different patterns, different shapes. There's so much difference, so much diversity, and that's good. It's the way God designed it. Uh, uh, Andrew's going to put another thing on the screen here, which is a little bit of homemade film. This is one of my favourite places in the world. This is Thorpe Ness Beach. Thorpe Ness is a little village on the Suffolk coast, and I love to go there. I love to sit on that beach and listen to the sea and watch the sky. It's an amazing place. It's wild, it's open, it's simple. And whilst in that place, I notice the stones, the pebbles, and I'll pick them up. I'll notice them. They're all different, different shapes, formed in different ways, different colours. Some have holes in them and you can look through them as they're worn away through the ages uh, in the sea. Each one of them is different. Each one of them is unique. Each one of those pebbles is 
beautiful in its own way. There's something incredibly harmonious and peaceful about Thorpness Beach and sitting amongst all those pebbles. It helps me to see that unity is not uniformity. Unity is like the pebbles on a beach when very different people with very different beliefs, very different views hold together no matter what. When the sun is shining or when the waves of the storm are crashing on the beach. Unity, Paul encourages us, is being joined together, is holding together in an overarching or common belief that holds us all together in our many differences and in our wonderful diversity. An overarching common belief. And what is that? What holds us together? Well, it's the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus for each one of us and our love for Jesus. It's our commitment because of that love to shine together like stars in the universe. That's what unites us. That's what holds us together, the love of Jesus. And it's really important. It's not what we believe about this thing or that thing, because we'll never all agree on this thing or that thing. Therefore, Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. We should do nothing, Paul tells us, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Easier said than done, isn't it? As these attitudes, they have the ability to obscure our light well, it's quicker than a, a bucket of water poured on a candle. You know, it just can really obscure light. Selfish ambition and vain conceit can destroy unity. They have the ability to do it and it takes no time at all. We see it in families. We see it at work. We see it in politics and wider society. And we certainly, unfortunately, see it in the church. So Paul's advice to us, how does he encourage us? How does he help us? Well, he does so with these words. Rather, in humility, he goes on, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, not being so hung up on what you believe and getting people to believe what you believe, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, on Friday evening, uh, we watched, Kate and I watched this film, A Man Called Otto. Who's seen this film? Yeah, a few of you. I encourage you to watch it. If you like to laugh and cry when watching a film <laughs> in equal measure, then this is the film for you. It, it's a nice, simple story, uh, really beautiful. Kate and I are a pair of softies when it comes to watching films, so by the end, we were a pair of blubbering wrecks. Uh, 
And then, well, we are in life many times, but anyway, but certainly when we watch this film. And uh, it's beautiful. And without giving too much away, so hopefully not too much of a spoiler, Otto, this guy here, played by Tom Hanks, is wrapped up, understandably, in his own grief. And this hardens him. It makes him bitter. It makes him grumpy and mainly bothered about himself above the interests of others. But through the goodness of his neighbours, those who live around him, those who notice him, those who are like newly formed stars in Otto's universe, if you like, people who value Otto above themselves, who look to his own interests, not, not just their own. His heart softens and love shines in his heart again. It begins to burn in his heart once again, like a star's birth announcement. And he is humbled. He's humbled. And he starts thinking of others. And he begins to look after others and to do things for others and to think of ways of caring for others and showing love. It's a wonderful demonstration of the way thinking of others, putting others first, makes such a huge difference and then enables others to do the same. How we shine for Jesus because of his love in our lives then helps other people to know the love of Jesus and to share their light in the world too. Paul unpacks the importance of these qualities of shining love in the lives of others by focusing on humility and selflessness. And he does so in that letter. In one of the greatest and moving passages written about Jesus, Paul gives us one of his favourite ideas, one of his core ideas, if you like, one of the go-to ideas of Paul. It's a simple message and it's delivered in a powerful way. Paul encourages the Philippians to live in harmony, to put aside their differences, to lay down their personal ambitions, their tightly held beliefs, their pride, their hunger for status or importance, and instead to be humble, not arrogant, to be selfless, not selfish, and to serve others, not themselves. Why? Well, because it's the way Jesus lives. It's the Jesus way. Paul tells us that if we want to shine like a star in the universe, if we want the light of Jesus to shine in us and through us in our warped and crooked world, if we want to shine and keep on shining when the darkness threatens to extinguish our light or when the stuff going on around us is becoming so hard that it's obscuring our light, then we need to follow the example of Jesus. In our relationships with one another, we need to have the same approach as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not, uh, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
the greatest qualities of Jesus' life were shown in humility, obedience, and selflessness. Jesus didn't choose to rule with force and dominance, but chose to be the servant of others and laid down his life for all the world. And so if humility and obedience and selflessness are qualities of Jesus, then it stands to reason. They must be the qualities of our lives too. But if you're anything like me, then you'll find that incredibly difficult. It's so much easier said than done. That's why we need the love of Jesus in our lives. We need to be filled to overflowing with that love. It's the only way we shine. It's the only way people will see Jesus in us. These qualities are like the gases that help create the stars in the universe. These qualities of Jesus are the things that will make us shine. Selflessness, self just giving, self-sacrifice in a way. These are the things we see in Jesus and these are the qualities we want to see in ourselves. I, uh, I've loved watching over the years the TV show The Apprentice. Anybody else love watching that? Uh, have you ever noticed that those uh, people in that show who are probably self-interested and, and have this, uh, I don't know, a perspective of their own self-importance. <laughs> and when they do that, they, they're the least trusted people in, in the show on that particular occasion, that particular year. People really struggle to trust people who think far too highly of themselves and look to their own interests. It's the way things go. It's how things go in relationship with anybody in any place. And the producers of the show, they must... Uh, literally, uh, I don't know, get so excited at the thought of those moments when they're caught on camera falling flat on their faces <laughs> or when things, you know, when they have some kind of epic fail and they have their comeuppance, if you like. But, of course, often when these people drive away in the taxi, they still think, they still think that they are right or they still think they're all that or they still think that they are uh, something that people didn't see in them. They think they can appoint themselves uh, in a position of greatness. They think they can tell themselves how great they are. Well, the way of Jesus turns this upside down. It's not self-importance that brings a person greatness, but humility Paul in his hymn or song of theology reminds us of the selflessness of Jesus, the giving all of himself that brought him the greatest glory. Because of it, God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus' actions made it 100% certain that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. This is what fuels our worship. The sacrificial, humble, servant-hearted love of Jesus Christ at work in you and at work in me. Worship is sparked, catalyzed, generated and created from the love of Jesus.
Love is the great birth announcement of each and every star shining in the universe for Jesus Christ. Jesus won our hearts by showing us a love that we just can't resist and we can't help sharing. A love that changes our lives and the lives of those around us. A love that shines in the darkness. A love that makes us shine for all the world. This church is a star-forming region. It's a star-forming region. A place where people can encounter Jesus and shine for him in all the world. So let's pray that we have many more star birth announcements over the coming weeks, months and years. Let's share the light of Jesus so that we see many more stars being born. So to finish, if you want to shine and keep on shining as a star in the universe, in a warped and crooked world, in our own brokenness and weakness, in the current difficulties that this church is facing, when your life or the life of someone close to you is in turmoil, so that this church is united in its differences and amazing diversity, and so that this church continues to be a star-forming region where we share the love of Jesus with a world that is desperate for love, then I encourage us to do one simple thing. Let's bow at the feet of the one whose love makes us shine. And let his love win our hearts again.